again amen they got a, what a uh, I don't know batting average it's probably what 250 325 would be pretty good right well, he's batting a thousand amen Calvary's batting a thousand amen 
Let's go ahead, take our Bibles, turn over to the book of Isaiah chapter 40. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31. <coughs> I don't know what happened. I walked in the door of the church and was doing fine. Next thing I know, I walked into the auditorium, got to talking to a couple people, and I lost my voice. So I don't know what's going on. And uh, so I had me a, uh, a little throat thing or whatever, something just popped it in my throat and been sucking on it a while. Now it took me a couple drinks of water, and so the Lord's going to have to take care of business, all right? So we'll go ahead and have a word of prayer in just a moment, and I'm sure it'll be fine. But uh, nonetheless, Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31. So I wasn't sure. I got to thinking it was those monitors, but maybe it was my voice that was messed up so bad that I just couldn't, it just was sounding funny to me, you know? So I don't know, but either way, uh, I had to blame somebody. <clears throat> all right, so Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31. The Bible says, but they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Well, the past few weeks, we've, uh, we've noted that even though we're saved, even though we know Christ is our Savior and Lord, the truth is we still grow weary. We still grow tired. We still grow faint. And boy, even if we'd be honest, we even fall from time to time. Failure is a reality in the Christian life. It's something we have to face and we have to deal with, but it should not be, it should be the exception to the rule, not the rule. Now, we've learned over these last few weeks that the primary reason for, for failing in the Christian life is ignorance of the resources which are at our disposal. We said the second reason or secondary cause is failure to that failure is to, to failure to tap into the resources. So we don't know what's available to us, and the other reason is that we don't tap into what we do know. So too many times, let's be honest, we're so busy trying to find solutions to our problems that we're too busy to listen to what he has to say even. And unfortunately, there's no way in the world we're going to find the peace of God. There's no way we're going to ultimately have his leadership and direction in our life if we're seeking that on our own. Now, again, there's nothing wrong with, obviously, uh, striving to get an answer from God. And there's nothing wrong with considering the word of God and identifying maybe people in the Bible who have gone through something you've gone through and see how God led them through the storm. But the fact is, is that so many times, if we'd be honest, we take very little time to talk to him about it. Instead, we go about our own way and seeking our own method to solve our own problems. Well, we learned that if you really want victory in your Christian life, if you don't want to be guilty of falling on a regular basis, if you don't want to be weary and tired consistently and constantly, then you're going to have to learn this great secret, how to wait upon the Lord. And so we talked about waiting upon the Lord. And tonight I want to talk about the result of waiting upon the Lord. As important as it is, I think it's important that we know what the result is, too. Let's be honest. I mean, we like to know kind of what's ahead. I mean, if I know if, if I'm going to spend $10 and I know how good the meal's going to be, I can look forward to that. And I'm more than happy to spend 10 bucks on a meal I know is going to be good. But if I know the meal's, if I thought the meal was going to be bad, I might be hesitant to spend 10 bucks. Now, some of you are going, 10 bucks ain't nothing for a meal. Well, for you, maybe. But anyway, when you're used to ducking off the dollar menu, but anyhow, 10 bucks, you know, I mean, we're going to say, man, it's got to, it better be good grub for $10. But if I know it's going to be good, 
Man, I don't mind it. You know, I mean, I'm willing to pay it if I'm if I want a good meal. Now, that's true with the way with the Lord, too. I mean, let's face it. He doesn't just tell us to do things. He gives often gives us a good reason why. And in this particular case, there's good reason to wait on the Lord. And we're going to note some of those reasons, okay? So let's go ahead and have a word of prayer, and then we'll continue tonight. Father, thank you for what you do in our lives. Thank you for being good to us. Lord, we're, we're gathering tonight because we have a, a desire, a longing, Father, to draw nigh to you. Lord, to, to want to learn more about you and your word so that we can be better for you. Thank you for loving us in spite of ourselves. Thank you for loving us just because. But Lord, tonight we come to you asking that you'll speak to our hearts, that we might glean from your word what we need so that we may grow as you would intend. Now, Lord, speak to our hearts and use us and help us, Lord, that we might be a blessing even to others. We'll thank you in Christ's name. Amen. So what's the result of waiting upon the Lord? Well, our passage here in chapter, uh, in, in verse 31, is it, it kind of presents a fourfold uh, result. Look at verse 31 again, and notice these words, shall. Note the word shall as it's used four times here in the passage. This is, but they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with eagles. They shall run and not be weary, and they shall Walk and not faint. Now, I'll be honest with you. Sometimes I almost, I was running through those words shall. I almost missed every one of them there without even trying. But that word, those words shall connect us to what is ultimately going to be the result of waiting on the Lord. I mean, this is life on the highest plane. This is true, successful Christian living right there in chapter uh, 40, 40, verse 31. And that's what we're seeking. Life on the highest plane. And so let's go ahead and consider that, uh, the passage, and let's consider these wonderful results of waiting on the Lord. First of all, we'll have God's strength in place of our weakness. Right here in the passage again, he says, but they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. So what we're going to have, we're going to see that we're going to have God's strength in place of our weaknesses if we wait upon the Lord. Now, the word renew carries the thought of change or maybe even exchange. So, um, have you ever noticed that, that, that kind of like, um, have you ever noticed that your, your, your greatest weakness is, your, is, is really your, your greatest strengths? You ever notice that? And your greatest strengths can be your greatest weaknesses. And, and what we're going to see here is that God's going to take our utter weakness and he's going to make it our great strength. If we'll wait upon the Lord. When we're in our weakest moments of our life, if we'll get in the presence of Christ, if we'll allow ourselves to be saturated with his presence and power, you'll be amazed how he'll turn our greatest weakness into our greatest strengths. And in this particular case, we see that he's going to give us his strength in place of our weakness. They, he says, shall renew their strength. First of all, physical strength. Now, I find this interesting, and I, I find it uh, intriguing as well, but um, there's no doubt that life can become very, we can be tired quite a bit. We get busy in life. We get busy in the workplace. We get busy in our homes, busy in our relationships, busy in our ministry. I need to tell you, if you're not careful, you get wore out, right? I mean, that's normal. Matter of fact, I'll be honest with you. I think you sleep better if you're just downright physically tired at night. 
You know what I think? I think we got a lot more sleep problems in America because people aren't working hard enough. All right? I mean, I'll just be honest with you. I'm just going to tell you. We're busy about a bunch of things, but we're not working at anything. And I'll tell you what, real work wearies you. I'll tell you what, uh, I guarantee you, you go out and uh, work 12 hours digging ditches, you'll feel like sleeping at night. Well, a preacher, I just can't get to bed at night. I'm one of those people, I'm late night, you know, I'm, I'm late riser. Uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm late in the morning rising. I'm, I'm late at night going to bed. Uh, you'd be early going to bed if you worked 12 hours a day digging ditches. And if you started at 7 in the morning digging ditches, I promise you, you'd be in bed before midnight every night. It'd take you about a week or two to get used to it, but before you knew it, you'd be passing out in the evening. I'm just saying, we got the, well, yeah, I can't go to bed before 3 in the morning. That's because you sleep till 10 or 12. I'm just saying, and then if you do any kind of work, it's probably, you know, not really manual labor of any sorts. And we're, we're, we're you know, maybe a little mental work here and there. But I'm telling you, it's important that we, that we work hard. God intended that we work. He placed Adam in the garden, right? And he told him to keep the garden. That's work. By the way, you know in heaven, you'll not just be playing a harp and hanging out on the, uh, the, uh, on, on the clouds. You're actually going to have work to do. And so will I. Work is pleasure if it's for the right reasons and it's the right attitude and the right spirit. You know, we say today we hate work because, yeah, it's, it causes you to sweat and it's a, a mess. But you know what? Adam worked. And you know what? The, one of the curses was that he'd have to sweat. It would be hard now. Work's tough. But work's good for you. It's good for you. It's good for me, and it's good for all of us. And in this case, you're going to get tired, though. In life, you're going to get tired. And the Bible says here in the book of Psalm, chapter 27, verse 1, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? He says, The Lord is the strength of my life. So you know what you're going to get if you wait on the Lord? You're going to get a renewed physical strength from God. You say, well, how do you know that? Well, I want you to think about Jesus for a minute, would you? Remember how Jesus would go about serving so many other people? Everywhere he turned, it seemed that he was tied up with others. I mean, to tell you that the, he, was, he was bound by the press, and he found himself, even in the late uh, hours of the day, just people swarming him. He couldn't get away from anyone. And what would he do? From time to time, he'd get apart, and he'd go into the mountain and what? Pray. You know when he prayed? At night, when nobody else was awake. Now, how's that possible if Jesus Christ is so busy? How could he take the time to pray through the night if he's so busy during the day? Wouldn't he get a little bit weary? Wouldn't he get tired? Yeah, but see, he was waiting on the Lord. And it's amazing how our physical strength will be renewed when we wait on the Lord. It'll be, you'll be amazed how God will give you the ability to function throughout the day with less sleep if you'll just wait on the Lord more. It's amazing. I think of that. Um, I think of that concerning uh, uh, fasting. Look at look if you would in Matthew six sixteen. It, it, I found this interesting. You'll notice something about this fasting. Now again, when we fast, if you you recall correctly, and and I recall correctly, fasting. You know, and listen, I get it. I get it. Everybody wants to fast all kind of things now. You know, I'm going to fast. You know, uh, my my Christmas latte. Uh, you know, for the next three days, and I mean, what a sacrifice. I, I get it, but that's not what a biblical fast is, okay? Now, I'm not saying you can't do that, and I'm not saying that that's not something that maybe, you know, you say, Lord, just for your glory, I'm going to give up my lattes, I'm going to give it to missions, or I'm going to give it to the pastor. Uh, but, but, 
Did I say that? But anyway, I'm going to give up my lattes for a few days, you know, and that's going to be a blessing. And, and I'm going to show you how serious I am about this. I'm going to give up. I'm going to give up coffee for the next two weeks or give up sugar for a month just to help you out, Lord, tell you how much I love you and how much I, I get all that. But hold on. The truth is, is that when you look at fasts in the Bible, you know what they usually were? Food and water. Okay, that's where the most of them, food and water. Now, let me ask you, how long do you do, how long do you go without water before you're in real trouble? How long do you go without food before you start feeling weary and weak? Some of us about six hours. <laughs> I mean, honestly, let's face it, it's rough on you, right? I mean, when you're not used to giving up meals and you're giving up meals, hey, that's, that's, that's rough business, especially this time of year. I mean, give up chocolate, man. I'll lose my mind this time of year. Now, Matthew chapter 6, verse 16, moreover, when ye fast, notice the directive concerning fasting. Moreover, when ye fast, chapter 6, verse 16, be not as the hypocrites of a sad countenance. For they disfigure their faces, that they may appear unto men to fast. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. Now here's the thing. No one's going to argue if you're fasting. Say you fast for a couple of days. It's going to take its toll on your body physically, would it not? It certainly would. If, if you do without water, especially. Now some people say, ah, that's ridiculous. Well, Moses went and we're going to see in just a moment. And he did without water and food for 40 days, 40 nights. But we're going to see some things happening here. Now, notice this guy, whoever's doing the fast and probably is feeling the fast. But the Lord says you shouldn't show it. You know what I mean? You shouldn't go around with it just, look at me. Oh, praise God, brother. My stomach's kind of hurting because I ain't eating nine hours. No, but, you know, I mean, we're, we're fasting and our faces are disfigured. It's just like they're getting... They're getting white because there's just no nutrients, no, 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 nothing good in our system. We're just so weak. We're so weary. We're so tired. He says, don't, that shouldn't be how it is. Can I tell you why I think it shouldn't be that way more than anything? They, they make themselves to look like that, but you don't have to look like that. You want to know what the answer is to not looking like that in a fast? Waiting on the Lord. See, a fast is really supposed to be a time when you come apart from something to come unto something. See, we should be getting apart from the things that require physically so that we can grow and get stronger spiritually. That's what the fast is about. The fast is taking our attention off of the flesh and the physical and putting it on Christ and the eternal, the spiritual. So in this case, if we would wait upon the Lord, you know what I think would be the direct, what the direct result is? Is that our face doesn't show the fast. Because God will supernaturally give us the ability to function in the present. I think many times we're doing things because we want the benefit of it, but we're not doing it the way God said to do it. Hey, you know, have you ever had a fast? I'm just kind of curious. Have you ever done a fast where you didn't really pray much more than you always do? I mean, you ever done that and you just thought, you know, I'm going to fast, I'm going to pray, I'm going to really be fired up for the Lord. And then you get the fast and then it seems like your day just gets more busy than ever. And before you know it, you never prayed really much more than you do anyway. I'll tell you what, that's hard to fast that way if you're not going to get along with the Lord. That makes it all, that's just, that's grueling. Now, the busier you stay sometimes, you think, the less I'll think about being hungry. But anyway, the fact is that we got to get with the Lord. Wait on the Lord. Hey, think about, like I already told you about Moses. Moses is fasting. 
But the Bible tells us in Exodus 34, look at him, Exodus 34, verse 28 through 29. Now, can I just say this? And I'm not trying to be um, irreverent, but Moses was not God. He wasn't Jesus. See, we like to give, uh, when we hear about Jesus going 40 days and 40 nights, we go, well, that's because he's God. I mean, you know, God can do that stuff. Moses wasn't God. But you know where he was? In God's presence. Notice, as a matter of fact, how he comes out of the mount. Watch how he comes out of the mount. Interesting here. Uh, verse uh, 28, chapter 34 of Exodus. And he was there with the Lord. Now, this let me ask, who was he there with? The Lord, right? Okay, he was there with the Lord 40 days and 40 nights. He did neither eat bread nor drink water. Now, let me ask you something. If I told a doctor that you weren't going to drink water for 40 days, uh, what would he tell me? He'd say, it's impossible, right? He'd say, you can't live without any kind of water for 40 days. Can't do it. Okay. I'm not going to argue that. I'm not going to say that physically it's not impossible. But what I'm going to say is, is that Moses wasn't just hanging out at the grocery store or on the job. He wasn't just sitting around talking to friends. He was with the Lord. He's with the creator of the universe. He's with the very one that literally breathed breath into the nostrils of Adam. Now, watch what it says. And there was, he was there with the Lord 40 days and 40 nights. He wasn't there just one of the 40. He wasn't there just a couple of days out of the 40. He was there with the Lord 40 days. Can you imagine literally communing and fellowshipping with the Lord face-to-face -face for 40 straight days and nights? Can I ask you, would you want to go to bed? Would you want to close your eyes and sleep if the Lord was standing there and you could ask him anything you want, talk to him face to face, listen to his wonderful voice, to have him just, just to be in his presence for, and have his full attention, which we do really anyway, for 40 days and 40 nights. I don't know about you, but I'll tell you what, I've watched a movie before and thought, I do not want to fall asleep. The best part's coming. I do not want to fall asleep. And I'm like trying to like, I, you know, hold my eyelids open. If Jesus was right in my presence, the Lord was, I would not want to close my eyes. And I would tell you, Moses didn't. Matter of fact, the Bible says he neither ate bread nor did he drink water. And he wrote upon the tables of the, of, of the words of the ta of covenant, the Ten Commandments. And it came to pass, watch this, when Moses came down from the Mount Sinai with the two tables of testimony in Moses' hand, when he came down from the Mount, that Moses wist not, he didn't know, as he wist not, he did not know, that the skin of his face shone while he talked with him. What it's saying is before it's over with, we're going to see that his face was bright. It was glowing. Before it's over with, he's got to put a veil over his face because he had been in the presence of the Lord and it had so transformed him in such a way that, that it, it rubbed off. The Shekinah glory kind of rubbed off onto him. Now, he's fasted 40 days and 40 nights, but there's something that we didn't. Hey, listen, he, he doesn't come out of there going with his face all shriveled up, walking real slow. It's been rough, boys, but I held out 40 days and 40 nights. Bless God. No, he's, 
He's looking better than ever. He don't need no facelift. He's looking real good after 40 days and 40 nights. Listen, that's physical strength that God will give us if we'll be in his presence, if we'll wait upon the Lord. Not only physical strength, but mental strength. The Bible tells us we'll get mental strength. Um, again, the Lord Jesus Christ, he's the fountain of all wisdom. And, you know, he'll quicken our minds and he'll, he'll enable us. He'll, he'll, he'll give us what we need mentally if we'll just wait on the Lord. Turn to Philippians chapter 2, verse 5. When you wait on the Lord, you know what you get? The mind of Christ. You're going to get the mind of Christ. Have you ever heard somebody say, I think I'm losing my mind? Maybe you've said that a few times. Matter of fact, I'm not thinking it. I've never said, I'm not saying it. I know it. I've lost my mind. But the fact is, is that we need the mind of Christ, though. If, if you got that mind, we don't want to lose it. Now watch it. He says in Philippians 2, 5, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. So the mind of Christ is, is a mind that is wise. It's understanding. It's strong. It's stable. I mean, you think about Christ and his thought process. You think about his intellect. You think about the mind of Christ. You don't think about somebody that would be weak, Mentally, you think about somebody that'd be solid and strong and stable and sturdy, somebody to be wise and understanding. We see him giving the wisdom, his wisdom to Solomon, and we see how wise Solomon was and how he, he was able to, to, to really confound people with his wisdom. Well, that was Christ's wisdom. And uh, higher education is one thing, but higher education alone is not what it's all about. We need a higher presence and a higher power is what we need. And in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, the Bible says, And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 23, the Bible says, And be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Well, we need the mind of Christ. And when you will, if you and I will wait upon the Lord, guess what? It's going to rub off. Um, they, they talk about couples that have been together for years and years and years on end. And they say, boy, you know what? They've been together so long they start to look alike. Now, that's pretty bad for the woman. But, but uh, they start to, or it's bad for the guy. I don't know which. It depends on which one they're looking more like. But anyway, the fact is, is that, that they begin to look alike, they say, because they're so in tune. They're so close together. They're so knit in their mind, their view, their attitude. At least it ought to be that way. And the truth is, is that if we'll spend time with Christ that way. Think about how much more like him we would be. Mental strength. 2 Timothy 1.7 says, For God hath not given us the spirit of what? Fear, but of love and of power and of a sound mind. A sound mind. Now, a sound mind is one that is not overcome of fear. It's, it's one that's not overwhelmed by confusion. Now, we can hire all the counselors, the educators, and the psychologists that are available in the world and still come up short in this area. God alone knows exactly what every single one of his children needs. He knows exactly what we need. Now, sadly, there are cases of those who struggle mentally and emotionally who are doing their very best, I believe, to walk with the Lord, and yet they're still going to struggle to find well-being. Well, you know what? No one's more sympathetic to their hurts than God is. No doubt about that. 
But in most of our cases, if we want to be stable in mind, we simply just need to wait upon the Lord. If we want strength in mind, we need to wait upon the Lord. If you find yourself being wearied in mind, then you need to get alone with God and spend some quality time with the Master, not just for one afternoon or one morning, but consistently. And so do I. So we see that it's not only physical strength, if we'll wait on the Lord that we receive, He'll replace that weakness with His strength, but also mental strength. And then we also consider moral strength. Undoubtedly, he gives this, without a doubt. We know he does. And boy, do we need this. This is an area that grips our hearts. This is an area that, that, that trips us up too often. We live in a world, as you well know, that is full of temptation. And boy, I mean to tell you, the voices that are most often heard and the images that we most often see rarely point our hearts and our minds toward heaven, do they? Let's be honest, they don't. Ephesians 6, turn there, would you? <clears throat> Ephesians chapter 6, look at verse 10. I was reading an article this week, and one of the uh, premises of the article was that most Christians don't realize they're in a war, a spiritual war. Well, we're going to see here uh, evidence of that spiritual warfare that he's talking about. Ephesians chapter 6. Notice what it says. Begin in verse 10. We'll read there. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Boy, you know, I think really the truth is, is that very few of us recognize the power of his might. We recognize the power of our might. And we, we, because of that, we, we do all kinds of things to, to, to jockey ourselves place ourselves in the right position to 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 be successful in life to be successful in relationships we look to our own strength and our own power we realize that there's a payoff if i can get enough education if i can get a good enough job if i can find the right place to live if i can get make good decisions in this area if if i get a good wife or a good husband if i if i if i if i and that unfortunately is often where we stop stop he talks about here right off the bat Finally, my brethren, be strong in who? The Lord. Not in your own ability, your intellect, not in your own wisdom, but in the Lord. And he goes on to say, and in the power of his might. Don't seek your own power. Don't look for your own wisdom. Seek his power. That's what he's talking about. And he says, put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. There's no doubt that the devil is out there playing tricks on us, trying to trip us up. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Now, I've done some wrestling in my day. I used to wrestle in high school, and let me tell you, it's not an easy, easy thing to do. I mean, it's a challenge all the time. You're challenging yourself. It's really kind of, you say, well, there's, a, there's one person. It's you and another person on the mat, and it is. But I'll tell you what, the biggest challenge you have if you're a wrestler today is not with that guy that's on the other side of the mat. It's with you every day when you have to practice and work out. Because you're going to face that, that enemy on that mat, but I'm going to tell you what, the bulk of, the, of any kind of hope you have of success doesn't take place on the mat. It takes place long before you ever get on the mat. And you know what? As believers, we somehow think, well, when the time comes that I need Christ, I'll call on him. 
But I'm telling you, the bulk of the work, if you're going to be successful in your Christian life, in the midst of the storms of life, then you got to get with Christ beforehand and work out with him and, and put yourself in a position so when the time comes and you do cry out to God, he's not only listening, but he's anxious to act. We see here this moral strength. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. There is a hierarchy of, 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 a, um, of an evil nature. You know, just like in the, the United States, we have our military, you have your generals and your your colonels and your lieutenants and uh, your captains and your, 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 all of these. Listen, you've got this hierarchy, and I didn't put it in the right order, but you've got a hierarchy of leadership in the United States military. Let me tell you what, there's a hierarchy in this, this uh, uh, army too. There's spiritual wickedness in high places. The rulers of the darkness of this world. And he says, wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. Notice you take on the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. Well, first of all, I think we're in a pretty evil day, right? Can I tell you, it's, it, it could get very much worse. You, better, you and I better be putting on the whole armor of God because there's coming a day. Not only today, but even maybe in the future that's even worse than this day. And having done all, to stand. He's saying you better put on the armor of God. Now, this is interesting. But we know the battle rages every day. And we're admonished to put on the whole armor of God. Now, if you would look at the armor of God and you take the time to study the armor of God out, you know what you're going to find? It, 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 it closely pictures or resembles the Lord Jesus Christ. What you're really saying is put on Jesus Christ. That's what it's really saying. We, we know we have the armor, and he goes into those details of the armor. But that armor is nothing more than a picture of Christ himself. And let me tell you something. If you want to get victory over the flesh, you want to get victory over sin, you want to get victory in this life, then you better put on Jesus Christ. The Bible says in Romans 13, verse 14, it says, But put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ, and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. When it talks about putting on the Lord Jesus Christ, you can run right back over to Ephesians chapter 6 and look at the armor of God. And may I say that you're not going to find Jesus Christ over somewhere uh, behind a screen typing to your buddy on Facebook. You don't find that. I'm not saying it's wrong to get on Facebook, but what I'm telling you is we're spending more time on Facebook than we're spending even on our faces before God. And the truth is, is that the reason why we're failing in our Christian lives isn't because we don't even know what's right. It's because we're not applying what we know to be right. We're not putting on Christ. We're putting on television. We're putting on the Internet. We're putting on all kind of other things in our life, but we're not putting him on. And let's be honest about it. And, you know, this isn't about, well, that's what these stupid Baptist preachers do. They all run around and they tell you can't listen to any music. You can't dress the way you want. You can't live like you want. You can't do this. you got all these standards you have to abide by. Well, let me ask you, what kind of Christian life do you want? See, that's the real bottom line here. 
This isn't about a Baptist preacher. This isn't about the Baptist church. This is about you, God, and the Word of God. And let me ask you something. How serious are you about having the mind of Christ? How serious are you about getting victory in your Christian life? How serious are you about having the marriage God wants you to have, the life He wants you to have, the family He wants you to have, the future He wants you to have? Because if you want all those things, then you don't get them any other way than putting on Jesus Christ. That's all there is to it. Spiritual strength, he gives us that as well. We'll end with this. I have four points, that's the first one. And that way I don't have to come up with anything the next time I preach a message. Well, this is really good. If I just talk enough, I can make one message last for the next year. <laughs> Spiritual strength. Listen, the answer to great strength is most often not found in rest. I want you to hear that. That's why I said it all weird. The answer to great strength is most often, oh, excuse me, I said it wrong. Forgive me. Some of you went amen. Gotcha. Actually, I planned that. <laughs> I wish I did. But the answer to great strength is most often found in rest, I meant to say. And I know what you, I know what you guys were thinking when I said that, but I, you didn't let me finish it. Not effort. Now, now watch what I mean by that. Turn to Isaiah chapter 30, verse 15. Isaiah 30, 15. We just got done talking about that it wasn't a matter of slow down. You just got to get in the presence of the Lord. So I, I know why I kind of tricked you there a little bit. I didn't finish the statement, and, and I should have. But notice this. This is important for our spiritually speaking. The answer to great strength is most often found in rest, not effort. Talking about spiritually now. Isaiah 30, 15. For thus saith the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel, in returning and rest shall ye be saved, in quietness and in confidence shall your strength, shall, shall ye, uh, excuse me, shall be your strength, and ye would not. So in returning and rest shall ye be saved, in quietness and in confidence shall be your strength, and ye would not. Now, you know, most of us, most of us, and, and we're talking about spiritually right now, think that, okay, you know what, uh, I'm going to have to, i got to read my Bible more, i got to memorize more scriptures, i, I got to go out soul winning more, i got to teach another class, i got to get another bus route, i got to sing in the choir, i got to go here, got to do that, do this, i got to be kind to people, i gotta, I got to do all the right things if I want to be strong spiritually. Now listen, there's nothing wrong. We ought to be doing good things. There's no doubt. The Bible says, be not weary in well-doing. But let me tell you something. If you really want to be strong spiritually, you got to rest in Him. Be still and know that I am God, He says. See, the truth is, is that we are spiritually weaker than we'd like to imagine. We may have the physical strength to continue in our ministries, to continue following through with our work, to do all the things that we think are necessary and needful to succeed in life. But the fact is, is that we're spiritually weak in many cases because we spend so little time resting in Him. So little time waiting on the Lord. Isn't it an interesting phrase, waiting on the Lord? You know, you know uh, years ago, I was 10 years old, and I was playing football, and, and uh, I remember we were going to move into another house, and uh, my parents were moving into Ellet. We was already there in Ellet, but we were moving from one side to Ellet to the other side, 
And um, I, I was on the 10-year-old football team, and I remember that night getting off of uh, practice, and my parents had told me they'd come pick me up after practice. And I, I still remember sitting out there. It probably wasn't nearly as long as I had thought, but I'll be honest with you. I had to wait on my parents that night, and I still remember uh, going over there to the bench, you know, out there in front over by the road, and I sat on that bench as, as first of all, this team dismissed, and then that team dismissed, and pretty soon all these kids got in cars and went home with their mom and dad, and those kids got in cars went home with their mom and dads. All the coaches found their way to their vehicles and started leaving. The, 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 the sun had gone down. It started getting dark. Pretty soon I was the only one sitting on that bench waiting for my parents to show up that night. I'm going to tell you, as a 10-year-old kid, I, I mean, I've always been tough as nails. And at 10 years old, you know, I could have probably taken an 18-year-old. Well, maybe not. But anyway, the fact is, is that I'm going to be honest with you. I had to wait on my parents, and I got scared that night. I mean, I was scared to death. I'll be honest with you. I, you know what I started thinking? I thought, sure enough, my parents got in a car accident. My mom and dad both died. I mean, I'm thinking the craziest things. I still do stupid stuff like that. I, I got a terrible uh, mind, okay? Sometimes I think the worst thoughts ever. And I got to thinking like that. Man, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to be honest with you. I got to crying on that bench thinking, man, I'm all alone now. My parents are dead. Here I am, stuck out here. What am I going to do tonight? I'll freeze out here at night. I mean, I was losing it. Someone says, man, you were a big baby. Whatever. I'm just telling you, I'm being transparent. I'm, I'm letting you know. But you know what I was doing? I had to wait on my parents. You ever think about this wait on the Lord thing? Why does he say wait on the Lord? Do you know that the Lord don't always just show up because you decide to wait? Do you know that the things will be getting kind of bad? And you know what? In this case, my parents did show up to pick me up, and they weren't dead. And they're still alive to this day. Praise the Lord. But you want to know something? It could have been dead. Things could have went really bad, but I was waiting on them. They showed up eventually. They didn't show up on my time, scale, uh, uh, time frame. They didn't do what I wanted them to do. I wish they'd have been there about an hour earlier, but they weren't there. But the fact is I waited on them, and I waited on them. And you know what? I felt like I had nothing else I could do but just wait on my parents. You know what the problem with us is? We turn to too many other things to wait on if he doesn't show up immediately. we got to learn to wait on the Lord. You say, but my situation is difficult. I'm telling you, preacher, it's hard where I'm at. I don't know what to do. Then do nothing and wait on him. Get in his presence and wait on the Lord. Lord, I'm just waiting on you. Lord, is there anything you want from me? I think of this too. You know, I think about how, how a waiter or a waitress comes up to you and says, uh, Sir, can I get you more water? Could I get you some more to drink? You know what they're doing? They're waiting on me. You know what? We've got to learn to wait on the Lord. We've got to learn just to serve him even when he's not doing exactly what we want him to do or doesn't show up when we think he should. We just keep saying, Lord, I'm here for you. I'm at your feet. I'm serving you. I'm humble before you. Whatever you want is all that I want. That's when we get the mind. That's when we get the strength. That's when all of those things we're weak in at that moment turn into strength because it's his strength now. He gives it to us because we're waiting on the Lord. When's the last time you literally waited on the Lord? You put yourself in a spot where you did nothing but just sit at his feet and wait on him. You sat at his feet and said, Lord, whatever you want, it's okay with me. I'm just here to serve you. And if you want me to suffer right now, I'm suffering. 
But I'm hoping you'll show up soon and relieve the pain. But Lord, you're in charge. And I'm just going to wait on you. And in waiting on you, God gives you something that you cannot find on your own. And that's strength. We're failing because we're weak. Spiritually, mentally, physically. In so many ways, we're burning out, on, we're burning the candle on both ends. And if we be honest, we're forgetting about the only one that can give us that supernatural strength that we need to make it through life. And that's him. It's time we start waiting on the Lord. That's what we need. That's who we need. The Lord Jesus Christ. Father, we come to you. We thank you again for just the simple time that we had together. The, we pray that, Father, you just bless us. Thank you for helping my voice to hold up. And thank you, Father, for just being with your people. Now, Lord, may we, Father, take seriously this challenge to wait on you. To be willing to say, you know what, you haven't showed up yet, but I'm just going to wait on you. I'm going I'm to get on my knees. I'm going to get in your presence. I'm just going to let you. I'm going to wait for you to show up. Father, help us to take the time to wait. To wait long enough for you to show up. To not get so anxious that we get up and start making our own path and our own way through life. But instead, we just wait on you. And then, Lord, sometimes we just need to wait on you in the sense of serve you fall before you and humble ourselves and say, whatever you want is what I want. I'm here for you, Lord Jesus. Father, thank you for all you mean to us and all you do. We'll thank you in Christ's name. Amen. Let's all stand to our feet. Every head bowed, every eye closed as the music.